Yeah, I think over the course of my time here, both on and off the field, we want to to bring a real stability and a great strength to, to Celtic. Um, obviously on field is where it matters, that's where the club can grow from your success on the field and I think we've seen that hopefully over the last season. So we have to keep investing in the team, both in, in the technical and tactical terms and in terms of uh, investment to, to keep improving the, the playing squad. Uh, but that's something that's been made very clear and I've had great support since I've been here, that when the right players become available, uh, and if they are available, then we will do everything we can to bring them in. But alongside that, I think there's still great growth in the players that we already have. Listening to the Grand Old Podcast, episode number 27, back again for mm. season two for another year of educated Celtic football <laughs> debate. Sadly, yeah, indeed. That is John McGinley's voice. Yeah. Get yourself in there early doors, John. How yeah. are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Um, good to be back. Uh, it's weird because we've not actually spoken um, over the phone or over the um, <laughs> Skype since the, we did the awards pod. So have, have you been- recovered? Yeah, I think I've just about recovered from that. <laughs> uh, that was a long slog, I think, wasn't it? I think that the total running time on that was over seven and a half hours. And we yeah. recorded it all, and then I had to edit it all as well, so I had another seven and a half hours of editing it as well. So um, <laughs> I'm just about recovered now, yeah. Fantastic effort. I was in Germany at the time. I'm mm-hmm. back home now, but I was an hour um, behind. No, an hour ahead, so it was um, a late. Oh, I think we finished yeah. one about half three in the morning. Did, my sleeping, yeah. my sleeping pattern didn't recover till about a week later. Yeah, and that is me. That is me being honest. It was uh, a tough slog, but we hope um, you guys and girls all enjoyed listening to it. We really enjoyed doing it as well, and it was a nice end to the season. But um, I, I know that the new season is now upon us, as is the thing with Celtic and most Scottish teams now. Every Scottish team, you don't really get a close season or a very no. short one. If that, Paul Fisher has decided he wants a slightly <laughs> longer close yeah. season. Um, he hasn't with us for um, 
for some reasons tonight, but I'm sure he'll be with us next week. Um, <laughs> made that definitely. sound quite sinister there, Kimish. <laughs> I, I think we can disclose the reason <laughs> that he had a, bo- a bowling meeting yeah. tonight. Um, so quite he's putting, sinister enough. Yeah, he's putting bowling ahead of uh, Celtic for, for this point. But we'll see, speak to Paul very soon. Uh, but it's just me and you tonight, John. Is, so just yeah. two voices. Um, so hopefully uh, things go to plan. Maybe won't need Paul in the future. We'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll see. 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 But anyway, we we um, we haven't spoken as you see no. for a good wee while. So there's a little bit of tension there um, yeah. between me and you. We've not spoken. The ice needs broken. So we thought we'd enlist the help of our wonderful followers. We've got four questions down here just to get us going straight away. Get the ice broken with regards to Celtic and the new season and all this kind of stuff. We're going to kick right off away with our. Mackay, 72, um, he's saying, um, is Ayer good enough to step into Dedrick Boyata's shoes? Straight away, John, that one's for you. Yeah, well, that, that kind of comes off the back of Dedrick Boyata being injured for the next three months or so, apparently, um, mm. which is a bit of a blow, um, injured in a pre-season friendly, the, the one in Czech, Czech Republic. So uh, uh, that is a blow, and I'm not sure, I wouldn't like us to rely on Ayer stepping up to the plate. That would be a lot of pressure on the young boy. He's, he, he has played a lot of professional games for his age, but he's only played around 20 or so games in a, in a centre-back position. So I think when we're, we're looking forward to these qualifiers, etc., I think it would be a bit harsh to, to say we're relying on him. I think, obviously, the natural defensive partnership after Boyata is Svechenko and Shiminovic. Yep. And is Ayer good enough to even be back up? I don't know. I, I've spoken a, a lot bit about this before, but I think I would have liked us to have another defender in there by now because Ambrose is away, because Kolotori's not signed a new deal, and there's there's chat that you might sign another one. Um, and uh, like Owen O'Connell, O'Connell's left the club as well, and so suddenly we're stuck with only having two fit defenders and Ayer. So you do hope that you can step up to the plate, but. I wouldn't like us to rely on it, to be, to be quite frank with you. He needs more time um, adjusting to that position and playing for Celtic, full stop. Yeah, I would give Ayer another season yeah. away at Kilmarnock. Uh, I think that would suit everyone. Kelly want him back. I know that for a fact. I know um, certainly a bit of debate whether Ayer wants to stay at Celtic or whether he would like to go back to Kilmarnock. I've heard yeah. opposing views with regards to that. Uh, I just I think he had a great season at Kilmarnock from what I saw last year. I think it would, as I say, suit everyone for him to go back. I don't think he's ready to break into a first team at the moment. I don't think he's ready to be... I think he could be like a, a squad player, but I don't even think he's ready to be like a backup as no. of yet. I think... He's got massive potential captain in his Norwegian club at the age of 19. We all know that. So I would give him another year at Kilmarnock and then I think he would be ready to stake a claim this time yeah. next year. So mm-hmm. uh, that'd be my answer to your, your first question, Armakai. I don't think he's quite good enough to step into Boyata's shoes, big shoes at this point. The next question is to do with Kuasi Ibui. Simply, is he an expensive error or has he been unlucky so far in his first mm. six months? I think, I'm not sure... I'm not sure it's been either. I think it's just been the natural progression of a young player moving to a big club and kind of adjusting to 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 how we play. Obviously, he he didn't look that comfortable in the, in the couple of appearances that he made towards the tail end of last season, mm-hmm. and he hasn't featured this preseason because he's actually injured. He got injured just before the the team left for Austria, and it wasn't picked up until they arrived in Austria. So although he made the trip. And people thought you might get some action over there. 
Um, he was actually injured and hasn't featured since, so that's why he hasn't. A lot of people have been kind of wondering why he hasn't been getting the game, and that's the reason. So it's too early to see the way um, the jury's out. It's just the same as it was at the end of last season. Stuart Armstrong, another midfielder. The question again from Arne McKay. He's clearly had quite a quiet summer. Uh, he's saying Stuart Armstrong sign up or sell. This is an interesting one and one. I know we had quite a good debate in the group chat the other night with regards to Stuart Armstrong. I think yeah, a flat ten million is the price it's yeah. been kind of quoted around. For me, Stuart Armstrong at that price, I, I said it was almost the impossible price. I said any less than ten million, and I would say no. He's a massive part of the team. He was. For me, one of our best players last year, and I think Brendan Rodgers loves him. I think he can only improve Stuart Armstrong. Any more than ten million, and I'd be going God eleven million for a player who's only really played six months. Well, for us, is incredible business. I think there's an interesting one with Armstrong because you look at the players in the past that have gone to Southampton. Wanyama had certainly, in my opinion, shown at Celtic a real quality in Europe. Fraser Forster had done the same Virgil van Dijk, had maybe less so than those two, but still performed well in big games. And you could still tell that Virgil van Dijk was just oozes class. I think Stuart Armstrong still has to convince me totally of that. So I think it's a slightly different one to the other three, but do I think he's good enough for Southampton? Certainly to be in their first 18 for Premier League matches. I think so. Um, would I sell him for ten million? No, because I, I think we're at that point where what is money really? Because we've got so much money coming in. If we qualify uh, yeah, again for the Champions League, chance, the money is there. Mm. What is ten million really in the grand scheme yeah. of things mm-hmm. when Brendan Rodgers is our man? I, I mean, if we hadn't qualified for the Champions League, I mean, the the, the temptation is because he only has a year left on his contract. That ten million pounds is a lot of money for a player with one year left on his deal at Celtic, and. That's where the business side of it comes in, but I have to be frank. I'm honestly not that interested in the business side of things when the when the club is making money in the way that it's doing and is already on sound financial footing. We don't need to sell Stuart Armstrong whether he has a year left in his deal and we've got ten million or not. I would love to see him stay at Celtic. I think we should be doing everything we can to give him what he wants because I think he has the potential to be a mainstay in the team for for years. And and the the key thing is that Brendan Rodgers wants him there. He wants him to sign the new deal. And it is a little bit of a worry that that's actually not being cleared up yet. I think I said towards the end of last season that one of our priorities this summer is ensuring that Stuart Armstrong signs a new contract. So this one's a little bit of a worry for me. I, I wouldn't like to, to bet against him actually leaving. And, but I wouldn't sell him um, for Ted. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't sell him at this stage. I think um, he was so key to us last season. I don't think we'd be able to replace his goals from midfield. It would cost a lot more than ten million pounds for us to to do that out of the bat to bring in a proven talent like that. I feel like so, it's a no for me. Do you think his agents at it a wee bit? Yeah, but that's what agents do. They look after the interest of the player, don't they? Um, it's up to us to 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 figure out whether he's worth what what they're asking. And I mean, I, I doubt they're asking for anything absurd. Um, but obviously, yeah. the club are just looking out for the club's best interest too. So it's it's about whether they can reach that middle ground. I have a sneaky suspicion that they will, but with that kind of money on the table, if if someone does come in with a firm bid, then Celtic are going to be very tempted because Celtic very much see things through a business point of view sometimes, so it might be quite hard to turn down. 
Another question that Arne Mackay raises, sorry, I, I don't know your first name. Um, he's asking about another keeper. Do you feel we need another keeper? Because mm. we've got, obviously, we've got Craig Gordon, we've got Doris De Vries. Mm-hmm. That's it, Leo, I think. Is that just that Leo Fassan's away? Leo Fassan's away and so is Baye. So um, they're both away. So I think we've only got two you know, senior goalkeepers now. So yeah, I think we do. I think it makes sense to have a third one in there. Anyone that springs to mind, would you look at a player currently playing in the Premiership at the moment, Scottish right. Premiership, or would you scout a young keeper who could maybe step into Gordon's boots in a few years? Yeah, well, it's, it's tempting to bring someone young in, isn't it? But, I mean, he, he, the, the Aberdeen goalkeeper signed a new contract, didn't he? So we, we don't have yes. a chance of getting him. So that, that would have been my first choice, but... Um, he's, if he signed a new deal, he signed a new deal. I don't think there's anyone else in the Scottish Premiership. No, that stands I'm, out for I'm me. thinking now that there's not a real wealth of, no. of talent. Um, it's strange because there usually is one or two that you would go, you know, I'd really like to see them either come in as a backup or kind of push for a first team place. But the talent in terms of goalkeepers is not that great up here just now. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe it is one where we need to cast the net far and wide and <laughs> and find a goalkeeper. I suppose there'll be some down south, though. I don't know if you're looking at even if it's a, a kind of an upcoming goalkeeper at League One, even if it's not an yeah. attractive one that anyone's heard of. I think you give them sort some time, Stevie Woods, um, and and they find their own. I, I think it's pretty much as simple as that. If they've got the talent and the work ethic and they want to improve, Stevie Woods will find that in them. And yeah, for yeah. me, with Craig Gordon, they've got. Um, a real good role model there as well as a goalkeeper who's been there, done it, played down south, gone through terrible injury troubles, come back to probably the best he's ever playing, Craig Gordon. So, yes, I think we need another goalkeeper. Is it my number one priority this summer? No, I think Doris DeVries is a second choice. Is all right, but then again, you want your second choice to be a keeper you have real faith in if Gordon was to get injured again. Yeah. And Doris DeVries isn't really doesn't really kind of have that feeling with me at the moment where I'd be totally confident throwing him into a big game but maybe it's not the biggest issue at the moment. The final question is to do with Brendan Rodgers' son Anton Rodgers. Now yeah. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong I think he only played the one game the original game so, yeah. and from what I heard he looked pretty good but I don't think it's ever serious. No, I know and I think, I mean some people kind of seemed a little bit put out by it in terms of it's a bit of nepotism, like why is he getting a why is he getting a game when there's someone else could be building fitness, etc. I don't think there's much in it. I mean, there's a training camp of in Austria, he had like he, he played in the game and that's it. Um not expecting them to sign for us or anything. And yeah, it wasn't I wasn't really an issue for me. I could just kind of seen it and I kinda of thought it was mildly interesting. It didn't really put me up or down. Mm. Yeah, it was his first game of the season. I mean, if it was maybe on Saturday in the yeah. the big game before our first competitive match, then you'd have a slight issue with it. But it was simply just uh it wasn't even a, a friendly match. It was a training match almost that first game, played in front of a tiny crowd. Mm-hmm. I was fine with it, completely fine. Yes, PJAM67 is asking the question, are we better prepared for Champions League qualifiers by not doing our US tour. It's a very interesting yeah. point because I certainly I certainly think over the last few years there has been a change. Maybe even in Ronnie Dyla's time. Second season, yeah. Yeah, when we've yeah. started going to Austria. I think we've found this kind of nice part of Austria that, that seems to do the business. The players get a nice time over there. It seems pretty relaxed in the face of things, but I'm sure the training mm-hmm. is really 
really rigorous, but I'm sure the players... Yeah, not in, like the Dubai trip, where it was just yeah, seemed to be... That was a team, almost a team-building yeah. thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I quite like it. I think uh, it seems quite a simplistic thing to say, but I think you are better prepared for qualifiers if you're not flying all the way over oh, to America yeah. for mm. for money spinners. I think the... Uh, is it the I... What's it called? The ICC that we played in last year was, yeah. I think, the best mm. of both worlds because it was money and it came to us. It was a game at Celtic Park. There was the, yeah, we the don't two really games have in Ireland. Like that, do we? we don't really have a glamour. Not, a glamour in, not in this up. year and the Emirates yeah. Cup and the Wembley Cup have all faded away yeah. as well. So I think our, our season, our pre-seasons are less glamorous than they used to yeah. be. But I think now we've got Champions League qualifiers that we never really used to have, certainly at the start of July. So I'm more than happy with uh, what yeah. they're doing. I mean, that was the thing about Ronnie Dyla's second season is that he explicitly asked to have his own pre-season set up and it was authorised by the club. But we didn't really, we did it all on Ronnie Dyla's terms that summer and the irony was that we were garbage again in Europe. So mm-hmm. um, it can work both ways, but if Brendan Rodgers wanted it that way, then he wants it that way. And we've, we've done all right in pre-season. We've actually been quite happy with the way it's gone. So yeah, it's, it's going well so far, but the the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? The the action's not started yet. Yeah, that's it completely. With regards to stuff off the pitch, the confirmation, mm. I don't know if you're in um, info with this, but the likes do, of yeah. the, the pitch and the screens mm. at Celtic Park. Well, the the pitch was has been, the work's been getting done on the pitch for almost the entirety of the break that we've been off the podcast. And going by the pictures, it looks like the grass is, is, is on its way to being there and will be ready for for the second leg and for the Leon game. Um, so that's, that's great. That's great news. As we, I think we mentioned last season, but this is stage one of a two stage project. I think, I think we want this kind of high tech hybrid pitch, the Deso pitch type thing. And it was going to be too time intensive to do it in one preseason. So we're splitting over two years. So they've, they've done some of the groundwork underneath the pitch. Um, initially, and then next season we're going to have the full deal, and it's going to get sewed in in the way it's the, the hybrid kind of astroturf time mm. it, um, combined with the, the natural grass. And also, we're having new screens being put in. I think we're getting the same ones as, as the ones at hand in. Um, so I think they're getting put in as well. I'm not actually sure if they'll be ready for the new season, but I know that that's on the way. The only other thing that I thought of as well was, I don't know if you'll remember this, but last season we'd put in planning permission for a massive LED screen outside the front of the yes, stadium. Yes, yes. Um, so I'm not sure if that's still coming to fruition or not, um, but that was certainly a plan at the club at one point was for them to have kind of that match day area. They would have like a big rotating LED screen outside on, on the Celtic Way as part of their match day activities and have info and also, kind of like what we did with the Celtic Live app, I think. Mm. Um, maybe have kind of info and some kind of videos, maybe, or something up on the screen. Lineups so, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tweets and stuff. Um, yeah, so then maybe that would be quite good. And I'm not sure where that is, but I do know that the planning permission went in for it. So mm. there is that. I know you're not a gardening expert, so I won't ask you the question, but I'll kind of throw it out there. And I'm just wondering how a pitch can have like one stage of things going on, then a full well, season of games on it, and then mm-hmm. the second stage. So it's not the pitch itself. I think what's happened this season is that this hybrid pitch needs um, a complicated um, base to it. It needs stuff underneath the pitch. I'm not quite sure what it is. I know that there's different layers to it, and so I think we've put in the technology ready for that to be effective next season. Right. 
Um, I think if they'd done it this season, they would have had to take time to put all that technology in and then they would have had to take time to, to put on the actual pitch and it would have been a much more involved process. Right. And obviously we need the pitch ready for next week. So, um, that's just, it's just a matter of that. It's not an, it's not actual, it's not the actual pitch, the actual top level of the pitch. It's underneath it, and then next season it's going to be combined into whatever it needs to be. So they effectively are laying the groundwork for next year. To, <laughs> yeah, to they're do literally the laying yeah. the groundwork, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Kieran Poland, how likely is it Patrick Roberts would be a deadline day signing, and <laughs> would he get a Robbie Keane-style welcome back? I've been uh, very um, clear about this point with regards to if Patrick Roberts, and I'll say if he was to come back, I think the the reaction to him signing would be bigger than Brendan Rodgers arriving, and I, I seriously believe that. I think it would be an absolutely massive statement from Celtic if we were able to get Patrick Roberts, a player who seems to be out with a grasp, and probably, if we're honest, will be. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. him back in photographs for Man City training yesterday with all the, yeah. the big stars there with a smile on his face, heartbreaking stuff. But if we were able to get him, I think it would just be an incredible statement. I think there would be a massive unveiling of Patrick Roberts. I think the buzz around the place, would the whole club would just get a lift even higher from signing a player like Patrick Roberts on a permanent deal. And I think it'd be a, a real statement. Whether it happens or not, mm. I'll leave to you. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not going to, I don't think. Uh, that's how I feel. Um, I'm kind of over it because I kind of am resigned to the fact that it's not going to happen. I think if it was going to happen, it might have already. I don't know. I know that Man City probably want him back to have a wee look at him and then their pre-season training set up. But we seem to be linked with a lot of people um, on the wing. I mean, we're heavily linked with Masonda, and I know that's not quite come off, but um, we've been linked with kind of replacements for him. Mm. And I think the fact we've signed Johnny Hayes, although he's not a direct replacement for Patrick Roberts, I think this acknowledgement that he was never going to be arriving as... He was never going to be arriving early in the summer. Um, and that makes me think that if we do, I think it's, we're kind of, we're separated from the process of Patrick Roberts now. Whatever happens with his future isn't up to us anymore. It's up to Man City and Patrick Roberts. And I could see, I said at the end of the last season, I could see them sending him to a different team to, to build up more experience in a different culture of football. Or if they wanted to send him to a championship team and, and kind of build up his. His, his knowledge of English football too. I just can't see him coming back. I, I don't. I actually don't think for his rod for his player development, it might be better for his development to go elsewhere and get uh, more experiences and work under a different type of manager. There's a lot to be said for consistency, but if he's just coming back up to do the same things again, is is that to the is that the best thing for for his career? I'm not sure. So. I just don't. I don't think it'll happen. And if it does, it would be amazing. It would certainly be bigger than Robbie Keane, I think. Yeah. Um, as you say, it would be on a par with Ben Rogers, if not bigger. So I would love to see it happen, but it's not going to. And I think, I think we maybe need to get over it. It's time to get over it. It's time to get over it. Get over it, everyone. Patrick Roberts isn't coming back, and if he does now, then uh, it's an amazing surprise. I would just love to see him in the the first team having a go at the Champions League. I would just I love to see it because he missed it last year. Um, through I think injuries and then James Forrest form. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, well, he had he had he had his moment at Manchester City, didn't he? Um, I don't kind of over by then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. But that is that. Final question, Martin Joyce. On a happier note, the biggest night out <laughs> you have all ever had 
and what was the reason for it? We'll consign this to <laughs> this football over the break. F- football results then. Um, what is? Well, I, I had a few last season. The cup final night was incredible. Uh-huh. Judging mm-hmm. for for Paul Fisher's hangover on the Sunday at the Legends game, I think he had a good one as yeah. well. Uh, I remember turning up at uh, the one of the pubs in Glasgow Central, and Paul, I could, I just looked at him, took me two seconds, and I just knew that he was still steaming for the <laughs> night before. I seriously think he just continued drinking all the way through. Um, so that was good. I enjoyed the first five one against Rangers was pretty good. Um, I think I, I hit air after that, so not a glamorous um, place. But no, they're never they're the biggest nights out or the best nights out. are never glamorous in my experience. Yeah, that's I can true. tell you. That. I think I think maybe my best football related one was after the 07, 08 uh, title winning night. Wow! Um, at hand dice, um, got pretty drunk that that night. Um, what else ones? I mean, and I don't know. And over the break, I mean, have you? What was your 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 craziest night out experience in Germany? Did you have many of them, or was it more? We had a few. They weren't football related, though. They were just no. kind of do you want to go and get pissed. Those kind of <laughs> nights it. out yeah. um, when you end yeah. up spewing in your toilet at four in the morning once you get back up the road. So it was those <laughs> kind of nights. The football ones I took uh, a little bit easier. Uh, it's fair to say, and I think what Paul Fisher's answer to this would just be every Saturday. Every Saturday, the, the, he's just. Well, he, well, he was out at nine o'clock in the morning on Thursday. <laughs> uh, the, the... I went on, I went on Facebook, and he was like, he had the 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 nips and the mixers out <laughs> at like ten in the morning on Facebook. Um, I think it was a Bulls day out in Glasgow or something. But well, we're painting Paul out to be this alcoholic, and I feel kind of bad because no, he's far no, he's from just it. Likes to drink. Yeah, I, I used to drink like Paul. Um, he's a young guy. He's, <laughs> that's what exactly what he should be doing, in my opinion. So. Um, as long as he keeps it keeps it safe. <laughs> Indeed. What else have we missed then? We've missed yeah. the signings, the completed signings, we must say, of Johnny Hayes and Kundai Benyu. What were your, your thoughts on these two then, John? Because the one mm-hmm. of Johnny Hayes came quite early into the summer. It was kind of done pretty quickly and signed, sealed and delivered. Benyu came from nowhere. No one had really heard of him. And no. um, both of them seem like, um, on the face of it, maybe it's completely blunt to say, slightly uninspiring. Is that is that harsh for me? Is that cynical for well, me? I mean, I think it's just, when every signing is not going to be a banger initially, is it? It's just unrealistic to expect that. And I, uh, I'm kind of of the opinion that we haven't quite signed the strength I would like earlier. I... I Rogers wanted the signings in January and then didn't, he admitted he didn't have the squad he wanted when that window shut. And he said that he would try and get the business done early in, in the summer. And obviously that hasn't panned out for a multitude of reasons, many of which probably aren't the club's fault. And obviously certainly not Brendan Rogers' fault. He doesn't do the negotiations. But I could understand the viewpoint that it's a little bit too, too, um, kind of almost strange signings. The Johnny Hayes one did come from nowhere. Um, nobody really, I don't think anyone expected us to sign him this summer. Mm. And Kundai Benyu came on loan from a, from a national conference side in England. So he's come from Aldershot Town and he could be playing Champions League football this season. Although I think in his case, I mean, that's, uh, I think he's been playing with the development side yeah, of the season. He certainly was so, against East Cobride at the weekend. He, he wasn't was, in yeah. Ireland. So I think that no. possibly says a lot. Yeah, and so that he's only 19 years of age. He doesn't have much match experience. He wasn't really in, in the first-team setup at Ipswich Town, so he's not immediately going to be in the first-team setup here. Um, he's obviously a player... 
that has a bit of character because he had a fallout with Mick McCarthy. That's why he went on loan to Alder Shot Town. And I'm of the opinion that anyone that stands up to Mick McCarthy has something about them, maybe. Right. And especially, yeah, especially a 19 year old, you know, a young 19 year old standing up to a senior manager like that. So he's maybe got a bit of an attitude about him. But I, I like that in a player. So quite, quite pleased with that. In terms of Johnny Hayes, I mean, I think he's a very effective Scottish Premiership player. I don't think. When you compare him to Roberts, it's silly because he's not as good. I think he's maybe of a similar standard to James Forrest. That I would be quite to be quite frank, which is maybe not the worst thing in terms of squad depth. I think he's a better player than Gary McKay Stephen, and I think he'll do a job for us over the season, certainly in the Scottish Premiership. And and I'm not disappointed by the signing. I'm not massively excited by it. It just is what it is. I'm quite kind of chuffed with Johnny Hayes in a way, and in, in the fact that I think. We all know Johnny Hayes will do a real good job. You can trust him in any Scottish Premiership game. He will, he will eat defences alive in the Scottish Premiership. Yeah, he will, yeah. In Europe as well, he's a kind of player. I think the word you'd use, certainly from me seeing him at Aberdeen, he's fearless. Johnny Hayes. I don't think he's mm. going to go away and say for we get into the Champions League and for argument's sake we mm. draw Bayern Munich away from home. I don't. I don't think Johnny Hayes is going to be eyeing up whoever the the fullback is and. And is going to be petrified. I think Johnny Hayes is going to have a run at him, and I like that. I like players yeah, who are fearless. Yeah. Whether he's got the ability or not is another question, and we'll find that out. But I'm more than happy to give him the chance in the Scottish Premiership, and even in Europe, I'm more than happy. Um, possibly, I don't want him to be a first choice winger, right winger in Europe, but I'm more than happy to give him a chance. I think he's fearless. Yeah, and I, I think it's important as well, although he doesn't have a lot of European experience with Aberdeen. He has caps for Republic of Ireland. He has been in and around squads, so he, he knows how to, how to prepare for big matches like that. There's a similarity between those two things. It's a different feeling. That's why the youth, the UEFA Youth League is a thing. It's to get young players and into this kind of mentality that they're going to be playing an unfamiliar foe, mm. an unfamiliar style of football. So John Hayes has a little bit of that with Republic Ireland. Um, yeah, you're you're right. I think it's all it'll all be down to what the quality of that position is at the end of the window. If we've just signed Johnny Hayes and that's it, it's not going to be a very great transfer window for me. But if we sign Johnny Hayes and another quality winger, then that's a different story. The signing hasn't been confirmed yet, but seems to be pretty close for Olivier and Cham. I think yeah, that's I think what that's we're going a, for. Yeah, that's what I'm going for, yeah. <laughs> the chat seems to be this is going to be a big transfer fee, certainly... I think there was a, a French journalist talking about £7 yeah. million. Pounds. Whether or not that is true, I don't know. But he seems to be a player um, with decent pedigree. Yeah, he does. And he's got a bit of experience. And it's funny because we were talking about Charlie Massonde earlier. And you remember that um, that all came off the back of uh, comments Rogers made after a friendly abroad where he said he he was looking to complete the signing of an, uh, a young player who has experience of quality. And all the papers, I think this originated from the Daily Mail, who had linked Celtic with Masonda before, but they all thought that it meant Charlie Masonda. And I think the media here have got Masonda mixed up within Cham. And I think that this is the young player of quality with a bit of experience that Brendan Rodgers was looking for with those quotes. And he, he has some experience with Genoa in Italy. Yeah. And I think, by all accounts, a lot of people seem to be making a lot of comparisons with Paul Pogba due to the fact that he's French. He has uh, he's an, uh, an under twenty one international teammate of Mr. Dembele, 
and apparently he's, he's got that kind of same style in midfield where he can he, he's physical but he can carry the ball forward uh, at his feet into the final third and theoretically you would hope that he has a final pass that is kind of missing a little bit I think from our forward midfield play we have players who can make great forward runs or good with good with the ball at their feet good at short passes but we don't have a player in that central position apart from Tom Rogic who can make a kind of defence split yeah. pass so that that's what I'd be looking for and the only the only kind of the only hesitance I have here is that he's a young player and I was hoping we would sign a quality centre midfielder who was experienced maybe 27-28 I think that would really enhance us in Europe and he isn't that player and I don't see us signing him and then signing the 27-28 year old I think if we sign him that that's it for the central midfield area I would suggest so that's only a slight bit of hesitance but he does seem to have a good pedigree um, and if he's getting youth caps for France he must have something about him he's been playing in Serie A and I know he wasn't first choice over there but he has been getting experience so yeah why not Seems it's, on paper it seems like a decent thing Yes, with regards to anything else to do with the Austrian camp, friendly results, the Shamrock Rovers match, I know you saw it the weekends. Yeah, anything you want yeah. to add about the way the team's been playing? Just that I think we're ready. We're ready for we're ready for Friday evening. Um, the Saturday game, Shamrock Rovers have been playing their own qualifiers, so they didn't have a full strength team out. And in the second half, their team became a little bit of a, a farce um, <laughs> because they had under-18 players on, etc. Now, it, it possibly wasn't fair to them in the end, um, a harsh football lesson, but we looked ready. And the, the pleasing thing for me is that we treated that like a competitive match. There was no doubt about it. We were, we were sharp, we were eager, we were ambitious. We wanted to score goals and wanted to get a result. And I think that bodes well for Friday. The, the worst thing that we could be at this point the, of the summer is complacent, and there's absolutely no complacency in the Celtic side just now. I don't know what you think. I just had the thought the other day that when I think back to these these kind of potential banana skins, second qualifying rounds, the two Icelandic teams we played, KR and Sharnan, and I think back to Cliftonville to a lesser extent, I almost feel like the team's at its most ready this season than it was before. I always felt in previous so, seasons yeah. we were going into these games cold. I don't know whether the team has trained earlier this season. I don't think they have, or I don't know if the timing's just been better or what, but I feel like the team is almost it's almost there. And it's usually not the case. It usually we use these first two games as the second qualifying round as real games to get into. I mean you look at where we yeah. were this time last year and I know the team is settled now and it's uh, not got these new players coming in and they know all about Rodgers and that kind of stuff this season. But the difference between going into the Linfield game and going into the Red Imps game this time last year yeah. is night and day. Well, two two things I would say to that. I think the first thing is a trust thing. I think we trust Brendan Rodgers' team a lot more, um, just purely for the fact that they their exploits of last season. I think we trust Brendan Rodgers to maintain a higher standard than perhaps managers of the past. And the second thing is, I think that the fact that we're playing Linfield, I think, adds an element to it. I think it's going to be, it's going to have a crazy atmosphere on on Friday, um, away fans or not, or not. And I think that that adds that. And I think it feels like a bigger match than like a Lincoln Red Imps. I think the fans are more into it. They want us to see to put on a good performance, and they want to to batter this mob. <laughs> um, so. I think that those are the two factors I would say. I think it all runs into each other. I think that all the fans are just so positive right now that it's hard to think about us going into this match and losing it. And I know that was the case with Lincoln Redems too, but there was also in the back of your head like European blips have been coming over the last few seasons, but 
Brendan Rodgers got it sorted. He knows what he's doing. So I'm not, I'm not actually that worried until a bit later in the summer. We'll take a wander back into the transfer window then for now. Are you pleased with how things are going so far? You've obviously we've signed these two players and Cham mm. may well be on his way. I know you've voiced some concerns in the group chat that you perhaps think that the club aren't capitalising on such a good year last season yeah. so far. I just feel like... So, we qualified for the Champions League and we've got all that money, but we haven't spent any of that yet. We've spent none of that. I know there's I know there's ongoing costs, etc., but I'm just talking, looking at it like that and that kind of those basic terms of having extra income last season that we didn't have in the seasons prior. We've not spent any of that extra income yet. Uh, but apart from from um, Abu, uh, Abu Kouassi, so for me, I think we're in a, a, a huge position of strength and it feels a little bit like a same old story kind of feeling for me in terms of the club. I've got no issue with Rodgers or the or his squad really, but I just feel like we might have been able to done a little bit more in January and in the early summer to really have the quality that we need for the qualifiers because I don't think people understand that the, the later rounds are going to be as difficult as they have ever been. Yeah. And although we're stronger this season, and we are stronger undoubtedly, I just feel like we, we could have made it kind of in the bag almost, I feel like, with a, a sign of real quality on the wing and a, and, a, and a real defender to go in alongside Yozo. Because although Bayat is injured, I mean, for me, we discussed this at length towards the end of last season. And I, I think even by the end of the last season, you'd come around to the idea as well that perhaps Boyat and Suichenko weren't the answer in Europe. Mm. And I feel like we, we should have maybe had that guy already. And that's a frustration for me. Without being too negative about it because I understand the limitations of the window and I understand targets become a higher quality of target becomes more available later in the window than early in the window and Celtic aren't in a position to just splash cash and, and, and secure targets at will but but I feel like we do have a stature, we do have a lot of money right now and we maybe could have done a lot bit more uh, you've got a different feeling. You feel like we're going to sign players after we reach the group stages. Yeah, my feeling, my feeling is twofold. It is that yes, I'm a little bit annoyed. Isn't the right word? I'm a little bit down because of the fact that we are blatantly with the loss of Roberts going into these qualification matches weaker than we were at the end of last season squad wise. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that is yeah. that is a basic mm-hmm. fact. My other feeling is that if we sign in Cham, that's that's a fair whack of money that's been spent yeah, before is, the first qualifying match. Johnny Hayes has been brought in to replace um, Patrick Roberts for me for these qualifying matches. Whether he's the answer long term, I don't know. And you can write off Ben, he's not a first team signing at the moment, certainly for these qualifiers. So I look ahead to that. I then think, is this team we have good enough to qualify for the Champions League group stage? Completely. I think the team, the difference in the teams, and I said it there from the Lincoln Redimps game to now, I think even when you look at from the middle of last season to now, I think the mm-hmm. team has even gone on another level. I don't think you can underestimate how big winning the treble 
will be for this team. I think the team will kick on like nothing else in Europe. I think it will be difficult, but we did it last year. I think we're better this, now this year. I think mm-hmm. this team is good enough to get to the group stage. And then I do think, and I know people, I can hear them shouting, saying we haven't in the past since we qualified for the group stage built on it. I get the impression, I honestly believe, and maybe it's my innocence or whatever, but I honestly believe that we will build on it if we qualify for the group stage. And I just feel, what's the point in signing a two two or three-star player right now if when you qualify for the Champions League group stage, it opens up a new raft of player who now goes, oh yeah, I really want to play for Celtic because they play in the group stage of the Champions League. We've got all the massive draws at Celtic of playing for the 60,000 playing against Rangers winning trophies those are probably the main three I can think of the fourth one let's be honest for a player is probably the biggest one playing in the group stage of the Champions League the showcase to get yourself to one of Europe's massive massive clubs in terms of like a or maybe where the money is more like a a team that, that either has a big history not saying mm. that Celtic don't or a team that has lots of money. We are a stepping stone club, I feel. But yeah, I feel like the yeah. Champions League is the one that gets players interested in Celtic. And I just feel that mm-hmm. when we qualify for the Champions League, it opens it up to a higher quality of player than it does at the moment. That's only my opinion on it. But it, I, it all I depends. I mean, I understand that. I understand that in theory. In theory, that's a sound argument. But I'm just very cynical yeah. about the club actually doing that because I think the... The club, historically, I feel like haven't done that at all. I feel like we bank the Champions League money and we go, wow, that's a bonus, it's money, and and that's great. But we never actually, I feel like we don't actually ever, there's a lack of ambition. I know, and I know that changed last summer about Rodgers, but that's why it's a little bit more frustrating for me because I feel like Rodgers has come in and the expectation is higher now for Celtic. And... We'll see. We'll see at the end of the window. I think maybe this conversation is for the end of the window. I feel a little bit cynical about that, I have to say. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And well, let's talk about, like, it, we're kind of moaning a little bit. So what areas, what are the must-sign areas of the team for you? What, what If you could go out and sign a player in a position right now, what position would it be? Why don't we, we quickly run through it then? And we, we just run through the, the positions quickly. Mm-hmm. Goalkeeper, as we've already touched on, I don't think it's a massive issue no. in terms of a player, the first player you'd sign. Right back for me with Lustig and Gamboa, not a problem. Yeah. No, Centre-halves, uh, I would look at uh, a quality centre-half. Yeah. I think was it... Someone along the lines of, was it Bad Sturber that was mentioned in the group chat? Someone along those lines <laughs> who is perhaps when people think a bit pie in the sky, but you actually look into it more and you think Celtic yeah. are a big club if we're in the Champions League. He's a, I think he's a free agent at the moment. Someone yeah, yeah, of that yeah. kind of ilk next to Sviachenko for me would be massive. A Colo Touri of maybe three or four years younger. Someone, I wouldn't be adverse to getting a 32-plus-year-old in with a good bit of experience. Nexus Nexus Semyonovic, sorry, I don't know if I said Sviachenko. Those two, that would be one of my priorities to be getting a centre-back in. Mm -hmm. Um, Left-back, we all know, we're sorted. Midfield, midfield's an interesting one. I mean, that was a priority, but I think if if Incham is coming in, and Brendan Rodgers sees him as the player there, then we've got to trust that. Mm. Um, I wouldn't bring in any more. I think if we're bringing in any more, it just becomes too cluttered in there. We've already got a lot of players there. Perhaps if Beaton actually moves on late in the summer, I would perhaps then bring in another. But I think if we have, if we bring in Chamin, 
then it's you've, we've got Scott Brown, Stuart Armstrong, and Cham McGregor, Beaton, and Henderson. That's six players for two positions. Um, so yeah, I yeah. wouldn't bring in another. It's interesting. I would like to see. A quality European, again, experienced, 30, 32 mm-hmm. years old plus. Lucas is the one coming to my mind because we were linked yeah, with him yeah. last season. I would love to see a player like that that we could play in an away game in Europe because as good as Scott Brown is, and he's fantastic, sometimes in Europe, I think away to Barcelona, and perhaps Barcelona's an unfair one, but also mm-hmm. I, I look in the past at some games that are tough European games I, I sometimes think we need a player with real European quality a player that can break up the play doesn't do anything flashy will win his free kicks and will win the ball um, yeah. a player like mm-hmm. Lucas is the one I would look at and I honestly think if you had that defensive midfielder who I'm looking at experience alongside Brown um, alongside uh, Armstrong alongside McGregor and alongside Cham, I would happily See, but is, is that player too similar to Brown now? Is my only concern with that. I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I would look at yeah, possibly, but I would look at signing this player, and they'd maybe almost there'd, there'd almost be an agreement that this guy plays the big matches. I'm not saying Brown wouldn't. <laughs> Brown would play the big match as well, but this guy would play the big matches. But he would. He would almost it would make sense just, away from home. Yeah, he would almost just mm. be a, a big game player who you didn't necessarily use at home to. Um, Ross County in the league he, he, because maybe that would feed into him being a, a 32, 35 year old I'm talking a real experienced head who's played a lot of European football that can help us out, that's the only thing that I feel we sometimes yeah. miss Wanyama was amazing at it but Wanyama was 19 years old I think or 20 years old at the time you don't get many of them and I feel that the one thing we're missing is an older head although as you say maybe Scott Brown now as that old ahead, maybe I'm being harsh in Scotland. Maybe he I can mean, he was be that guy. in the Champions League last season. Um, yeah, that's that's my only. But I think it would it could make sense to have two holding midfielders like that there, um, because I I think Armstrong or McGregor don't perform that role, and and Beaton's got the heart of a mouse. Um, I mean, maybe Incham is that player too, though. I mean, maybe Possibly. he is. He, maybe he is the, the next one. Yama, you don't know. We don't know yet. Um, for me, the central midfield position, though, it's it's kind of gone on the back burner a little bit for me now that we're bringing in him although the deal's not been confirmed yet so <laughs> that might fall apart tomorrow but the, the, it's looking like he's going to sign he's had a medical etc but um, so we'll see and what, what about left well, sorry um, right wing we've got Forrest hmm I've always said that I'd like a right-sided Sinclair. I'd like a, but then, but then again, James Forrest was very good against Shamrock Rovers, and you get the feeling that they yeah, have his hunger um, again. And Canny, because if it's a James Forrest of the first half of last season, we're laughing. I mean, he's a good player who can play at a good level. I just wonder if, I mean, ideally, I, th- I think we could do with a, a slight upgrade at right mid. Yeah, I, I do too. I think we need to sign someone of quality there. I think. The, the thing that's easy to forget about Forrest that he was actually first choice over Roberts for the vast majority of last season. Roberts came into the team in the last two months and um, deservedly so, but Forrest was big for us last season. So, I mean, it's not a disaster, at least in the early parts of this summer, I think. But I, I do agree. I think we need someone. That's I think that's, if I look at it, the, the two main priorities are, are, are central defence and, and this position, the right wing position um, for me. Hmm. we've got Rogic in the middle there in an attacking midfield and although we probably might need competition there but I mean Stuart Armstrong can fill that role well Um, 
and we've got Scott Sinclair. So and, yeah. and and Johnny Hayes to kind of cover between left and 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 right wing. So I'm actually not too worried about that. How do you feel about strikers with Griffiths and Dembele? Seems crazy to say it. Oh, ideally, I'd maybe like a third choice in there. I think there was times last year when yeah. you almost felt that when Dembele was injured. Um, that you need someone just to be putting a bit of pressure on Griffiths. Now Griffiths was brilliant when Dembele was injured at the Rangers game from that half coming on at half time or sorry coming on after 30 whatever minutes it was in that semi-final until the end of the season. Griffiths was fantastic. I just wonder if there should maybe be a third third choice striker again similar to the goalkeeper. I don't know if you, you look at a, a Scottish player I don't know if Jack Aitchison is maybe the answer if he's not quite yeah. there yet. Chief Chi certainly wasn't the answer but Again, is it a priority? I don't think so. I think it's similar to the goalkeeper. I think ideally you would have uh, another backup player. But, I mean, in terms of strikers, we've not been as blessed as this and God knows how long in terms of the two we do have. They're both they're both top quality strikers. Um, you're hoping that Dembele doesn't have his injury problems this season and he can have a full yeah. season because Dembele, I mean, how many he scored last year and he missed a lot of the season. He could score 40 goals this season if he's, if he's fit all the time. So, um, it wouldn't be a massive problem. The massive, uh, or the, the biggest problems for me in terms of team at the moment, I think we need, for me, two experienced positions. We need an experienced centre-back and an experienced defensive midfielder. Those yeah. are the two issues. Who knows? It could be the same person. I don't know. It could, it could be one of those players um, who... <laughs> well, like Lucas. Lucas could do that. Lucas is the answer. Yeah. Sign Lucas and everything is fine. <laughs> everything is fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's maybe have a, some of, a wee look at some of the players that we have been linked with since we've been off air. Um, now, I've got a list here of every single player that has been linked with us since we did our last podcast. You had some summer, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. I actually did this tonight. It didn't actually take too much time, so don't judge me. But (laughs) this is a a, a list of every single player who's been linked with us since then, um, taking away the ones who have already moved on to other clubs or signed new contracts at their club if they were kind of coming to the end of their contract. So... I'm going to read through some of these ones. If you want to talk about one in particular a little bit more, just give me a shout and we'll go. I won't, yes. We won't go into depth of all of these, but if one jumps out at you, just give me a shout. So the first one um, was a player called John Kevin Duverne. He's a Lens player, a young defender, 19-year-old. He plays in League 2 in France, and he's been linked with us by the Sun this summer. He doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, he would be kind of one for the future, I feel like, but I think he has enough experience at, at, at Lons to to kind of maybe push for a first team place um, if he's talented enough. Um, we've got a player called Ryan Delaney who's on loan at Cork City from Burton Albion. Um, he's helping them with the, their Europe League qualifiers just now um, and he's on loan but the Irish Independent actually linked linked us with him so mm. not sure what the deal with is there. We've got Joe Gomez of Liverpool young player there that Brendan Rodgers knows well. Um, I think he's looking for a loan club next season. I think he's been heavily linked with Brighton and Hove Albion, who seem to be a kind of keep popping up with us um, this mm, summer. Yeah. They're, the, they're the English Premier League club. I think you remember a few years ago it was like to Hull City, etc. Now it's Brighton and Hove Albion. So um, He'll be going out on loan, I think, from Liverpool, so it just depends what it is. He's a talented defender who can play across the defence from left to right, so um, maybe one there. Um, we've got Ryan Kent, another another Liverpool player actually, and, and this guy would be a, a replacement for Patrick Roberts because he's twenty years old. He's an England under twenty nas- uh, international, and 
he's just spent last season out on loan himself. Right. Now, he actually played the entire season in the, in, in the championship for, for Barnsley and actually was named their young player of the season. So he had a decent season there. And I like like Joe Gomez. He's not going to get any first-team opportunities at Liverpool. So he's perhaps one that could come in and be that kind of Roberts, give us that kind of spark, that young spark, your young talented English mm. player. Um, so so he's one, but he could well end up at another Premier League club as well. And another uh, loan from from the English Premier League would be Josh Onoma uh, from from uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Now he actually gets a game for Mauricio Pochettino and did play a few times that last season. So he's in and around the first team squad there, and he's a central midfielder. So maybe that he's the kind of um, player that you're looking for in the middle of the pack. Although again, he's very young, and it would be on a loan deal basis. Mm. And now, so with that's kind of the kind of loan that the, the, we've been linked with a lot of like English, play, a lot of fringe players from the English Premier League club. How do you feel about that kind of strategy in terms of doing similar to what we did with Patrick Roberts? Are you, would you be happy with that again? Or are you looking for us to go out and sign permanent transfers? It doesn't really enthuse me, um, if I'm honest with you. There was something about Patrick Roberts that did. I don't know if it was the fact that. It was under Ronnie Dyla, different teams, and we really needed a creative spark there. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I've, I've just said it there. I think now the key is experience. I feel like experience is what this Celtic team needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost kind of, I'm kind of <laughs> happy to give Johnny Hayes or, or James yeah. Forrest certainly the start of the season to see how they can do. Obviously, upgrade if needs be but if it was an upgrade I would like to see it being a signing like a Sinclair type signing I don't know if I mm. really want to develop another club's players I mean I know it, it worked <laughs> with Patrick Roberts it did Patrick yeah. Roberts was great I just don't know if it works with a lot of them I mean, um, I it's mean, a tough one all the, I mean basically all the players were linked with apart from a select one or two they've all been very young mm. so Perhaps that's the style Brendan Rodgers is going to go for. He, he said in a certain TV interview earlier, you know, earlier this summer they did a kind of in-depth interview with him. He said that he enjoys the work of actually developing a young player. He enjoys that. That's part of the, the coaching role that he actually makes him happy in his job. So, I mean, I mean, I think this is just going to be a hallmark of Brendan Rodgers' side. And the, the next one that we're linked with as well is another, another young player, a young Croatian called Lovro Mayer. Um, right. Now he broke through in Croatian football last season. He played for NK Loco Motiva, um, but he actually had a good enough season that he won his first international cap of Croatia. And he's only nineteen years old, so he's he's clearly doing something right. Mm. And, and he plays in the kind of Rogic row and in the middle of the pack in an attacking attacking set. That's so. the kind of one that entices me, and I, I don't know whether yeah. it's a. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Croatian. I yeah. love a Croatian. Yeah, maybe, I maybe it is that. I, I think yeah. they're yeah. I, I don't. I mean, we know you love Samirovic, but I, I don't know whether it's. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the fact that it's not an English team and it's not this inflated market or, or what mm. it is. But there's something about that. Those kind of signings, like like the Wanyama signing, um, the and the Van Dyke signing. I know those two are, are the biggest successes, but it's those kind of signings that really excite me. And I think, oh, this guy, if he's had a cap for Croatia. And yeah, um, that kind of one would excite me. Signing a player, and I know he sounded pretty good that had been at Barnsley last year, doesn't really excite me. No, I understand that. I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking for experience, I've got two defenders here who have vast experience. We had, well, we're linked with uh, Rito Ziegler in the Sun. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, from Sion, and I think he's he's looking for a move away there. I'm not actually sure if his contracts come up or he's just 
basically forcing himself out. Mm. But he's he's available this summer now. He, he's thirty one years old um, by this point. A lot of player people probably remember him from his time at uh, Tottenham Hotspur um, in the, the kind of mid two thousands. And he also uh, had spell at, at Sampdoria. He also had loan spells at Fenerbahce, Lokomoto Moscow. Um, yeah, the list goes on. Wigan, Hamburg. You know, he's 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 been around Europe. He's got a lot of experience in different leagues. And mm. um, I don't think he's an, the best of players. I have to be frank with you. And mm. um, he has a fair amount of caps for Switzerland, but he's not played for Switzerland for three years. Um, not sure about this one, to be honest. But this seemed to come from the player himself. It was one of those ones where I've been in discussions of Celtic type thing, kind of getting his name out there. So I'm not sure if he's at it a little bit. Apparently, it was us and Real Betis, I think, that were interested in signing him. So. Um, he claims that we've been in negotiations to, to sign him this summer. So if there's truth in that, it'll come out. But mm. I'm not actually too enthused about that. The other one we were linked with by Turkish media was Martin Skirtle. Uh, he's playing at Fenerbahce now. Now, obviously, people know him from his time at Liverpool. Yeah. He's one of Liverpool's best players for years. Mm. I mean, if we're thinking of a signing who could come in and do a job for us, he would be quite high in the that list. That is the kind of signing I'm talking about. And I, I don't know whether I'm completely unrealistic thinking we could sign a player like that but that that is the calibre of player I think we need I think we need two as I say a centre back the main one and then a defensive midfielder for Europe but a centre back is the main one I think that is the kind of player Martin Skirtle would just be the kind of player I think this Celtic team needs imagine Skirtle yeah. and Simunovic at the back it would just yeah, be, that would be, it'd be fantastic yeah. and that would be a Champions League quality defence that's what we need so I mean, there was a fee, there would be a fee involved for him because he only joined Fenerbahce last year. And I think the Turkish media outlet that was reporting, I would, were saying that it would be around four million pounds. There's a lot of money for us for a 32 year old, mm. but I mean, we've seen defenders be evergreen in Scottish football before. If we sign someone like that, he could play in the Scottish Premiership for the next three or four years. So it was, it's kind of, it's not, doesn't put me off too much. He's 32. Mm. He's, he still gets a game for, for Fenerbahce. He played 31 games for them last season. Still gets a game for Slovakia. I mean, he's got a lot to offer us. That would be one that would excite me, although mm. that is a little bit of reaching more pie-the-sky type material, I think. Um, so yeah. we'll see how that one pans out. But he was linked with us by the Turkish media, so um, that's another one. Yeah, um, the, yeah. I mean, yeah. I just look at someone like that, and I think across the city, I mean, fair play to Rangers in terms of Bruno Alves, I think that's a great signing. Someone like that for us, yeah, for a player. Them, yeah, yeah. A player, I mean, Bruno Alves for us, I, I would look at, I think he's a player who mm-hmm. is playing for Portugal. You saw him in the Confederations Cup. I think it's that mode of player that high quality experienced player who won't be faced by anything almost like I thought Colo Turi was but it appears that Colo Turi is just a little bit over the hill but someone of that calibre I think is who we need that is the one I'm thinking Nexus Immunovic would just be ideal now there was, there was a, there's a couple that really excite me that we're linked with and again they're a little bit more on the higher end of perhaps of what we're capable of bringing to the club um, but one of them was a um, a guy who plays for PSV called Joshua Brené, and um, he, he plays at right-back, I think, but he can also play at left-back. I think he played as many games at right-back as left-back for PSV last season. Right. And he's he's a Netherlands international. He's got two caps for the, for the Dutch team, and they were both won this season. So he's got something about him. He's only 20, 23 years of age. He's got that kind of, he's kind of hits that sweet spot for us, but he's got a fair amount of experience. He's played, you know, close close to or over 100 matches for PSV he's played dozens of games in Europe for them too and that's the kind of signing I feel like that could take us to the next level that's mm. that. That's the kind of signing that excites me I see a guy like that who's got lots of experience for a good team and a decent league is, is getting caps for Holland 
and is only 23 years of age. And that's the kind of guy that English Premier League's just hoover up right now. Yeah. Um, if you're a Swansea City or a or a team in the lower right or a West Ham, they, they're just hoovering those kind of guys up. But I feel like we we should be reaching for this calibre of player, even if the, the links are unfounded. This was actually in Dutch media. It wasn't just made up by the Daily Record or the Sun, etc. Mm. So this was reported by Dutch media that we were interested in this guy. So that would be quite exciting. And um, the other one for me was even more exciting for that and is a guy called Mario Pazalic. Now, he's a Chelsea player who was at AC Milan Ooh, last season. Yes. yes, and he would be a very exciting signing now. Again, I'm not sure. He was definitely report with, uh, reported regarding to us in the media. Not sure how true this, the, the reports are, but we certainly seem to be sniffing about Chelsea enough um, right now. So perhaps perhaps we're, we're, we're in for this guy, and that would be fantastic. I think he's the kind of player who would break a record transfer fee. I think... He would probably cost about seven or eight million pounds, but if we're looking for players, if I if I'm looking at players around Europe and I'm thinking we need a player who can come in and kind of take us to the next level in European competition, I'm looking at a guy like this, a guy who's played for Chelsea. He's got um, a few dozen appearances for Hadrick Split before he moved to Chelsea at a very young age. He went to Elche on loan and played the entire season for them in, in, in La Liga. He went to Monaco on loan the season after that and played plenty of games for them. Mm. And then last season, of course, played for Milan and then picked up a couple of dozen appearances there too. Got two caps for Croatia. He's a midfielder. I mean, they were crying out for someone like that. And that was one that immediately jumped out to me. That's the guy that we should be signing. Yeah, I think there's that kind of player. I think we're all in the same mindset with regards to the kind of player. We need a, we need a player, mm-hmm. not squad players. We need players to take us to the next level. Now, I think in Cham may well be that. There certainly seems to be with the fee that's been talked about and the opinion that Brendan Rodgers has of him. I just think we could do with, yeah, I, I think two players. And you're talking about fees of seven, eight million, if needs be. It seems like a hell of a lot when you think of Scottish football and you think of Celtic. But if you also think of the money we've made in the last few years, the money mm-hmm. we will make when we sell these players again, the money that we'll make if we make the Champions League this year, the season ticket sales, all of this stuff, the club's in a great place. I get the feeling it's just the time just to keep moving forward and keep improving. Um, and yeah, I think two players of real quality on top of Encham would leave me very happy in this yeah. transfer window. So there's only two more left, um, and it was Charlie Misonda and Oliver Encham. So the Misonda deal doesn't seem to be happening, I don't think, because he's been given a squad number this week in pre-season training by Chelsea. I think Antonio Conte is going to keep him around for at least a few pre-season games. Mm. I don't think he's signing for Celtic anytime soon, I have to be honest with you. And if he does sign, I know it was reported to be a permanent transfer, but that one, that kind of um, signing screams loan to me because I think he's quite highly rated as Chelsea and I don't think he'll be signing on a permanent basis for Celtic anytime soon. I'd love to be proven wrong. That's another player who would certainly excite me um, coming into the club. Very tricky wing, very tricky attacking midfielder, plays in the wing. I mean, could do a job for us in a, in a similar manner to Patrick Roberts and obviously in Cham. And we, we do have another player on trial with us, a Chelsea defender, Kyle Jameson. So um, that's another one to keep an eye on. But that's my list. That's every single player who's been linked with us that is still available to us. So there you go. Fantastic. And I'm sure loads more will be linked before the end of August. We'll move on now to the Euro qualifiers because we are back. Celtic are back 
this Friday with a game against Linfield. It's the second qualification round of the UEFA Champions League. For anyone unfamiliar with how the qualification works, we are in the Champions route, as we have been for the last few years, along with all the other champions of provincial nations, basically, not the top nations. (laughs) The top nations get flung into the group stage. We have to qualify with the likes of the Austrians, Swiss, Azerbaijani champions, etc. We start on Friday against Linfield, two-legged tie, first leg away, second leg at home, back-to-back weeks. So I think it's, well, it's this Friday, and then is it Wednesday, next Wednesday at home to Linfield. The draw is made, I think... Possibly Friday, this Friday. Friday. So it's yes, before yeah. we have even kicked a ball. We will yeah. have an idea about who will be playing in the third qualification will, yeah. round. Um, that will then take place, all being well, when we get through Linfield, that will take place the following two midweeks. So basically we've got four games in the next four midweeks, as is always. Um, the only worry is if we go out against Linfield, God forbid, we are out of European right. competition yeah. altogether. There's no drop into Europa League at this stage. However, if we get through against Linfield, as we're all hoping and expecting, there will be a drop in at the third qualification round into the final round of uh, Europa League qualifiers if it all goes to pot. Um, so yeah, three rounds to get into the group stage of the Champions League. We're seeded for all three rounds. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean anything in terms of home and away games. It will be given as the draw is made. But just like the past few years, it promises to be um, pretty challenging, John. It does, yeah. And obviously, Linfield, we should be able to take care of them with these. But when you look at some of the later rounds, it does start getting a lot tougher. I mean, even the draw on Friday is starting to look a little bit tough. You've got teams like Astana, who obviously was scraped by last season, We've got teams like Partizan Belgrade. We've got the Croatian champions, Rijeka. We've got Malmo. I mean, these are all kind of half-decent teams. Rosenberg, these are all teams we can face. And it is going to be difficult. There's no point in trying to deny that it's not. There's no point in trying to say that we're going to squish it our way into the group stage. For me, we should be taking care of these teams. We're, we're, we're one of the top seeds in the whole process for a reason. We've got one of the some of the highest resources of any team in the process. The Champions Group is made for teams like us. UEFA have made the Champions Group for a team like Celtic, for a team like Olympiacos, yeah. to get to the group stage or 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 give them as good a chance as possible. So we should be taking advantage of this. And although it's difficult, I do I do have a confidence about that. I would I would be worried if we got Partizan Belgrade in the next round, for example, though. I think that would be something like that would be tough in the third qualifying round. That's before we even get to the to the playoff round where teams like Maribor and, and Karabag come back into it again. You know, it's a nightmare going to play teams like those. So the trepidation for me is going to be and a kind of nerve wracking summer for me. I think I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I'm always a little bit worried, I think. I th- I think, I mean, they're common now. We all know what to expect. I think this is our, what's it, our sixth year in a row of Champions League qualifiers. Yeah, yeah we've been champions yeah. six years, of <laughs> yeah. course it is. So, <laughs> yeah, our sixth year, we all know what to expect now. Five of the years have consisted of three qualifying rounds. We all know what to expect. Brendan Rodgers now knows what to expect. I think this is the best I've felt about it mm-hmm. ever in, in the six years. I think I think back. To the first year and the year we surprised everyone made the last 16 in the Champions League it was it was a real struggle in terms of the first game against Helsinki they took the lead and 
since then qualifiers have been a bit daunting for us. There's been obviously all, all the shocks of um what the likes of Malmo and of Legia yeah. Warsaw and Maribor teams like that. This year I just feel that Celtic will do nicely. I don't think it will be easy by any means. It's of course it's not going to be easy when you look at the likes of Bati Borisov, Legia Warsaw yeah. themselves, Maribor, Karabag teams we've faced in the last few years are there to to haunt us but I just feel that this team has improved as I say from last year and I think I think we'll be okay I think we'll qualify um, I think we'll qualify for the Champions League group stage I'm not going to say yeah. we'll qualify easily or we'll qualify with a bit to spare even I think it'll be very challenging but I mean I'm reassured by the fact that we're the second highest ranked team in the Champions route just behind Olympiacos yeah. I mean substantially behind Olympiacos yeah. uh, but but did that mean I mean we, we, we can't face likes of Salt we, we, I mean we're not going to face the likes of Salzburg or, or Copenhagen or Ludogorets so yep. we avoid teams like that but the playoff is tough and I mean it is teams that have we've played before but for the most part I mean if everything goes to plan and all the seeds get through which of course doesn't happen often but if the, the seedings go the way that they should then the teams that we can get in the in the playoff round are Bate Borisov Lega Warsaw, Apoel, Nicosia, NK Maribor, and Karabag, and we've played three of those teams recently, and they were all, you know, it's not none of them are easy. So um, they were all tough gonna, ties, weren't they? Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, I think we'd be all right. I honestly think a team like Karabag would obviously be tough. Of course, it would be tough. We all know it'd be tough, but I just think. I think this team would be good enough to take care of Carabag over two legs and to, do, to be yeah. blunt if they're, if they're not they're not good enough to be in the group stage of the Champions yeah. League I mean mm-hmm. even the next round to qualifying that'll be drawn on Friday we could we could be drawn against Hapwell Beersheva they're the fourth yeah. easiest team we can yeah. draw according yeah. to the coefficients the rankings, at the moment yeah. and the way yeah. it goes that uh, Hapwell Beersheva could be the fourth easiest team that we draw and look at the hard game they gave us in the final round last year I mean they were a goal away from being in the group stage so it's just it's crazy yeah. how it works out I think you just take it a game at a time and, and what happens I mean, what happens That that's the thing about it it's not even the teams for me it's like these are all the champions of their nations so yeah. you're looking like we could get the cha- just in this on the, on the draw on Friday alone we could have the champions of Sweden or the champions of Serbia the champions of Croatia the champions of Romania I mean these are all these are all high quality football nations who have strong, strong top flights mm. and possibly a stronger top flight like in, across the board in Scotland. Yes. So it's very difficult for us and we'll see how it pans out. I mean, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the Linfield game. So we'll see how it pans out. But I think I'm just, I don't, I'm not sure if this is the consensus, but I just hope people aren't, aren't thinking this one's in the bag because it's not. As good as we were last season, raising our game for these European ties is as a as a task, mm. even for Brendan Rodgers. Yes, but we, we look forward to it. Linfield this Friday could be very interesting. Um what are our thoughts? First of all, before we touch on the match to this issue that has um, certainly it was a fortnight ago, I think it was it was announced yeah. that, that Celtic wouldn't be taking tickets for the game on Friday. Do you feel that the club have got it wrong with their stance on this one. Yeah, I think they did get it wrong. I think they did. And although to be fair, I, I said that, and I had said a lot on Twitter about this. And to be fair, some people who live locally in Belfast felt that it was the right decision. So far from me to to overrule their opinion. To, to be quite frank with you, because I don't know, I don't know what it's like on the ground over there. But 
and some fans over there, some fans in Belfast were, were really disappointed with Celtic. Some fans in Belfast kind of understood the decision. I think it, it all comes down to the fact that it's in the week of 12th of July, which is just unfortunate. It's obviously ridiculous. It's ridiculous that the match even has to get moved. Yes. It's ridiculous that the club need to feel like they're put in a position where they have to refuse tickets. But I don't... I've just got a sneaky suspicion that the reason that they didn't take tickets was perhaps more to do with the fact that it was just going to cause a drama rather than the fact it was going to be unsafe for Celtic fans. I feel like if we had taken tickets, there might have not been much incident. I think they would have got bust into the away end, bust away into into kind of safer areas of Belfast. They weren't going to be hanging about the stadium. I mean, I I feel like the club got it wrong. I can understand why people didn't, but I don't think the club should be denying fans to see their team away in Europe, regardless of who it's against. That's, that's my stance on it. Yeah, my stance on it is very simple. I don't think the club can legitimately say that it was they refused the tickets and safety grounds. They had as mm. or they allowed fans to go to the Gaza Strip twenty miles away from the Gaza Strip last year to play Hapo Beersheba. So I don't think you can possibly say that yeah. this was With on Istanbul. safety concerns. Yes, yeah. Istanbul. They after um, a bombing or something, or they yes, the same week as one. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, my view on it is. We should beat Linfield no matter the state, mm. no matter if we don't have any fans of the home leg, we should beat them. It's 11 players against 11 on the pitch. However, why give any sort of advantage in the most crucial matches, the six cru- crucial matches that define our season? Why give any sort of advantage to any team, never mind that mob on Friday night of not having any away fans to have to deal with that are complete? It's going to be it's going to imagine the hatred in there on Friday night that our players are going to have to do with now. I think our players will be good enough to deal with it. I'm just, I mean, they're absolutely scum, these people. Not Linfield fans in general, but the people that, that take part in these matches, marches, sorry. And I just have a real, I just have a bit of a worry that there could be, there could be some unsavoury scenes on Friday. Um, I just hope our players get a good result and get out of there, to be honest. That is my feeling. Just get a good result, pump them if needs be, but just get out of there fine and get back to Celtic Park for the, for the second leg. But I'm not a fan of the club not taking tickets. I don't see why you would give any home advantage in terms of, um, the kind of advantage of not having to, to play against a team that has no fans at the game. Um, in such a meaningful game as I say we should beat Linfield anyway but that's not really the point I just feel the club got it wrong here and yeah. uh, the whole thing yeah. was kind of seemed a little bit shambolic because the match was moved the name of refused tickets if we're refusing tickets why was the match moved it doesn't yes. make sense because we're playing tonight to yeah 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 so I mean, and that kind of hampers what Brendan Rodgers preparations were because they have the, he has a Leon match on, on Saturday and I mean he might have been wanting to give some players who do play against Linfield a little bit more game time there. So, as it is what it is. Um, I just hope we'd absolutely pump them because they're not a nice mob by all accounts. So, yeah. um, and David Healy's a manager, so... He's got very fat. Did you see him interviewed? <laughs> he has. He's put the weight on big time. Um, uh, yeah. we've, we've got three recent barometers of Linfield's ability and they are a 7-0 friendly defeat to Rangers last year, the week before we humped them 5-1. So you do the maths, I think that's 12-1 <laughs> we would have beaten Linfield yeah. if football works that way. They lost to Hearts 4-1 at the weekend. A Hearts team who I assume aren't very far into their 
they're scheduled really. I no, think that was one be. of the first mm. pre-season games for his Linfield have already had a, a two-legged tie against La Fiorita, um, which I suppose is its own barometer, only beating a team from San Marino 1-0 and yeah. aggregate wasn't particularly yeah, good. Bad. Yeah, and finally, Queen of the South beat them 2-0 in a competitive game last season in the Ironbrew Cup. So we're not up against a particularly no, good team. Not. On that we're note, not. what is your uh, prediction? How do you think the game will pan out and what will the score be? I think because it's going to be that kind of atmosphere, I think the players will raise their game and relish it, and and I think we'll we'll win like three or f- I think we'll win three now. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think it'll be very <laughs> similar, albeit the atmosphere will be totally different. I think it'll be very similar to the Cliftonville game a few years ago. I think we'll mm. score two goals in the first half, kill it off, and we'll score a late goal. James Forrest again will score the late goal. Um, yeah, he looked good. He looked yeah. sharp on Saturday. Yeah, so I feel like he's going to be the star of the show. Um, and Dembele, I think, um, is was looking sharp in the first half of that game too. So the players are ready, the, the boys are ready. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I'm really excited actually to to get it all kicked off again. Yeah, should be good. That is Friday night, and uh, me and John both going for three 0 victory. So we hope you enjoy the game there. Anything else to add, John, in terms of anything no. at all? What's no, what's your plans for the the coming week? Um, nothing much to be honest. Um, my girlfriend's just back from from Poland from oh. from a few days over there, so I need to catch up with her more more than have. Um, she came back <laughs> last night, so went to sleep. She came home from work today, and then I did a podcast. So that's nice for her. So I'll, I'll need to need to actually speak to her over the coming week. Um, but yeah, we'll be watching the game on Friday. I think they kick off five o'clock. Is it it's five right? o'clock? Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, yeah. Somerset Park bound after it for the Ayrshire Derby, so I've got a ah. nice. Uh, and he's hostile Friday night. So how are you enjoying me. being back in Scotland? Oh, it's good. Yeah, I'm back. I've been back a week now, and I'm. It's just getting back into you know, the old habits and all that kind of stuff. And um, <laughs> good habits or bad habits? Good, good mainly. Yes, <laughs> uh, there's there's less drinking going on now. I'm back. <laughs> uh, however, I'll I'll be um, partaking a bit of booze tomorrow for my my birthday, go. and more importantly, Musa Dembele's oh, birthday. birthday. So uh, yes, celebrate Musa Dembele tomorrow rather than me. But um, I'm sure we'll all have a good drink. Uh, and yes, we'll we'll be back very soon. Paul Fisher will be back very soon. The yeah, return of hopefully. Paul. Yes, hopefully. Yes. Um, fantastic. As always, we'll urge you if mm-hmm. you've got any thoughts uh, on anything Celtic or a grand old team related, you can send them in to podcast at a grand old team dot com. And as always, you can leave comments or like our Facebook page if you fancy that, or even follow us on Twitter at Fritz. A grand old. We'll be back very soon. Have we got any other plans for for pre season, John? Anything uh, tickling your fancy with regards to themes or anything like that? Well, we had an email towards the end of last season um, from an American listener who wanted us to kind of talk about what it's like or kind of like a guide to a match day at Celtic Park for international listeners. Ooh. So we might try and tackle that over the next few weeks. I think that would be fun to do. And I also kind of want to record a kind of predictions podcast and since we did the awards which are really fun just to kind of take an episode to make some predictions of who might win those awards next season um, and kind of set that in stone and audio record so that we can be ridiculed at the end of the season Can we have a crazy prediction as well from each of us? Yeah, stuff like that Yeah, so we'll see how that goes and I mean we're all constantly trying to uh, motivate ourselves to to sort out the site finally so I'll maybe try and do that this pre-season too so things are happening I, I just want to say as well like the awards pods like people listened to a lot of content that week like yeah. as I say it was over seven hours and and people were into it so I just want to thank everyone who listened to that and made it to the end 
there's a lot of people who listen to seven hours of us in a week. So, <laughs> um, fair play to you. And I really appreciate that because that's, that's kind of, it's really, it's a big massive compliment. So, um, we really appreciate that kind of, that kind of fandom. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to that and also to this podcast. Yes, we are the grand old podcast and we're back for season 2017, 2018. We'll speak to you very soon. Hail, hail. Hail.